Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's the Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey everybody, if you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I am so excited to sit down and talk about communicating around pain and pain sciences with Dr. Zach Gabor. Zach and I are going to start off going right into it and talking about something that he is a huge advocate for, and that is minding our P's and Q's when it comes to the vernacular we use when we're dealing with athletes or clients in pain. You know, we're talking about terms of fragility and how that affects kids and athletes and, and what we're looking at when we're talking with them and things that we can do to help put them in more positive situations just through the communication. Uh, we get into how the emotional states uh, that you're in or your athletes are in and stress levels, how those affect pain and a whole bunch of other uh, pain science related things. This leads us right into how he's trying to be a driving force when it comes to educating young practitioners, whether it be coaches or physical therapists, and uh, how this has led him into putting out some fantastic content on Instagram. 
Guys, this is an absolutely fantastic talk. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Doc, thanks for spending some time with us today, man. Jay, here we are, baby. Let's get it done. Yeah, so listen, let's let's give everybody real the, the, the quick Spark Notes version as to where you are and where you're at and what you're doing right now. Sounds good, dude. All right, so I am at uh, Boston PT and Wellness, which is in Medford, Mass., so it's about two exits north of Boston proper. Been here for about two years now. I've been out of school for almost three years. But basically, I, I came up, I, I studied hard. I taught anatomy and musculoskeletal. I love teaching. Uh, I also fell into strength and conditioning in PT school and kind of realized how important it was for PT. It's kind of that piece that was really lacking from their curriculum and their education. So I ended up getting a job training at Ithaca and learning from a lot of people. And then once I graduated, I just spent a ton of time not so much going down into the systems paradigms, but more so shadowing strength coaches, learning more about that and how it interacts with pain science. And that's kind of led me to my own treatment approach, which is uh, kind of a mix of the two. So I'm excited to chat about it today. I run an educational you know, platform that advocates for this type of stuff on Instagram. And uh, that's basically it, just out here advocating for people. No doubt, man. And putting out awesome content on the regular but let's get into that pain science stuff. Dude. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, so, right, I mean, pain science, we hear about it. It's this, like, really sexy thing that's come out. And uh, some people are like, oh, it's just another fad. And uh, let's be real here, right? It's really cool that, you know, I, I forget one of my mentors asked me, he's like, what are people coming in to see you for, right, when they're in the clinic? And I'm like, I don't know, pain. And he's like, yeah, well, it makes sense that we should probably learn a little bit about that. And I'm like, holy cap. And like, it's so true. And just beyond the rehab world, but even in strength and conditioning, you know, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said our athletes didn't deal with acute injuries that have pain experience, as well as the nagging, you know, knees and backs and all these sorts of things. So my whole thing is not only advocating for pain science education in rehab, but also in the performance world, I think it's super important for coaches to start to learn more about this and realize how it's not an intervention. That's where people kind of miss, mess up is this isn't an intervention. It's literally, it just helps us have a better framework for some of the language we use and maybe some of the progressions and regressions that we do, not only clinically, but in the performance world. Yeah. So let's keep rolling right with that. Yeah. Because I know one thing we've talked about quite a bit is the language. Yeah. Break that down. Let's let's dive down that rabbit hole. Yeah, so it's it's funny, right? It's it's not sexy to put an emphasis on language, but man, we are seeing more and more and more how the research is really supportive of the fact that negative language can really, you know, really perpetuate pain and persistent pain. So let's let's dive down a little bit. Let's talk about some examples. So when you have an athlete that comes up to you and he says you know, Jay, like I really shouldn't be deadlifting. Like my doc told me that uh, it's bad for my back, you know, to deadlift or that I'll, I'll throw my back out or that I will injure a disc or I'll bulge a disc. You know, these sorts of very biomedical terms. And I guess a good way to kind of categorize it are terms that instill fragility or this fragile state, right? We hear that all the time. And these are the words that can really perpetuate negative beliefs about movements. And so it starts there, you know, and words can actually instill pain. And that's where you can ask me now. So how the hell do words 
perpetuate pain. So how the hell do words perpetuate pain? That is a great question. I needed a break. <laughs> I needed a break talking for a second. So let me have a sip of coffee. So, you know, without overcomplicating it, right? We know now that pain is an output and not an input. So basically what that means is we have sensors in our body that send our brain messages and inputs about danger, right? But it's not, in, it's not a correlate of pain. So what we know now is that tissue states are not a one-to-one -one correlate of, of pain, which is what we used to think. That's what the biomedical model says is you have this X, Y, and Z finding on your imaging, therefore you have pain. We now know that pain is an output, not an input. And a, and a cool analogy that I like to, to challenge people with is, you know, asking people, do you see, do you see with your eyes and do you hear with your ears? Mm -hmm. So you can go ahead and answer that. Yes. So you're giving me the yes. And that's what we would always think. But the answer is no, we don't. We actually, we have sensors in our eyes and our ears that send information back to the brain and the brain computes an image. So that's where like things like optical illusions come into play, right? Where we're seeing these things that are not really there, but our brain is like doing this really funky stuff. And the same thing's true for pain. We don't have pain receptors in our body. We have danger sensors that send these signals to the brain and our brain therefore gets to decide whether or not we feel pain. So to play that out a step further, let's think of another cool analogy because analogies are way better than fancy words and sciencey stuff. So two situations, right? And let's relate it back to sports. Um, I learned the World Cup example. I love it. I'm a big soccer guy. So let's imagine, let's imagine that you're playing soccer and you are on offense. Let's imagine that you just score the game-winning goal, right? But on that play, you happen to break your leg, okay? So now situation B is you're playing defense for that same team, and you just give up the game-winning goal. And on that play, you break your leg. Which J do you think is going to be experiencing more pain? The one that just won the game or the one that just lost the game? The one that lost. Right. So that's a great example of saying, well, we have the same exact injury, how can we be having two different painful experiences, right? And we know that emotion can help perpetuate or modulate pain up or modulate it down. The same way if we're in an adrenaline rush, we're not necessarily going to feel pain because it doesn't behoove us. It's not, it's not advantageous for our system to experience that. So the brain simply says, no, we're good. Like, let's focus on getting you out of here alive. And then maybe we'll start to feel pain for whatever injury happens. So that's a really cool example that kind of helps us reconceptualize the fact that pain is actually way more of a multifactorial sort of experience, meaning things like emotion around pain, our fears about pain, our beliefs about pain. You know, the actual tissue is still part of it, but that's only one of the parts. It's not the whole part. So we're seeing now how these, you know, these words that we use, the language that we use, it comes back and it can perpetuate these negative, like fear avoidant beliefs that can actually make us more sensitive to painful experiences. You with me? Does that make sense? hundred percent. So that's basically it, you know, without, without going too far much, without going much further into like the, the explanation, that's basically it in terms of proving why words matter and language matters when it comes to dealing with pain. So then how then can language be manipulated in one way or the other to improve that? You know, it, it really just starts with being cognizant of the words you use. So let's say 
it's not like, like I said, it's not an intervention. It's not like I'm taking people and talking them out of pain. But what it, but what I will do is I will be careful of my word choice. I'll stay away from using words like, you know, disc bulge or tear, tearing of a ligament or things that sort of are like known to go hand in hand with pain and fragileness, like staying away from those words. And that's already a really helpful way that coaches can be huge advocates of this sort of model is literally just by being a little bit more cautious of the words they use when they're talking about, you know, different parts of the body and maybe their past history with injuries. Another good way is, um, is by respectfully starting to kind of debunk certain myths. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, we hear all the time, like, Oh, I have neck pain cause my posture sucks. I have, you know, I have back pain because my posture sucks or because my did my deadlift form is shitty. And I'm not saying here that we need to be spitting rainbows and sunshine and be like, Oh no, like posture doesn't matter. Your deadlift form doesn't matter. Like it certainly does, but there's one way to say, yo dude, like your form looks like shit. We got to clean that up or you're going to hurt your back versus, Hey man, like, you know, compliment sandwich, like you're moving well at your hips. Like maybe we can work on grooving that pattern a little bit better, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be fine. Let's just get that movement pattern looking better get it and and it'll it'll help you stay, you know, out of the PT clinic and help your performance. So those are two drastically different ways that you can phrase things around, let's say a deadlift. No, a hundred percent. And I think that it's like that whole idea is almost like a, like an inception, right? Like when we look at other things like athlete monitoring or or different methods that people are trying to, you know, predict injury, if we may, like when you tell someone something's going to happen, the likelihood of that happening have increased exponentially. It's all thought viruses, but we can have positive thought viruses and negative thought viruses. That's the cool thing is the brain is very neuroplastic. It's very plastic. So the same way that we perpetuate negative beliefs, we can also perpetuate positive beliefs. So totally right. I mean, not that we're psychologists, but knowing that we are in a field that communicates, that's what we do. That's like, you talk about getting buy-in, right? For us, it's called therapeutic alliance. Like that's all from communication. So we have to be, we have to be cognizant of the words that we use because it could really, you can really make or break that success of that you're going to have with an athlete and or with a client or patient. A hundred percent. Because when they understand what you're trying to do and what you're doing and they're they're seeing the positive ramifications of what you're doing, then all of a sudden they're going to be more likely to participate more in what you're doing. Yep, absolutely. And it's really about like, it's really about coaches are in a great position to help debunk some on from some counterproductive thoughts, because I'll get a lot of people that have been told X, Y, and Z from other physios, chiros, strength coaches, personal trainers that are maybe well-intentioned, but counterproductive because maybe they will tell them something that the athlete buys into and maybe they do end up getting better, but it's something that's not substantiated. And then they end up lingering with this thought in the back of their head for the rest of their life. And it's not really, it's not really um, conducive to their long-term outcome. So I, there's the saying that like acute pain is the best time to mitigate the chance of persistent pain. So when, when athletes get injured for the first time, that's a great time to incept their brain with this sense of like robustness and resilience versus 
for like fragileness or fragility. I'm not sure what I'm not sure yeah. what is a word there. Let's go with fragileness. Yeah, no, but I understand what you're saying. So then, like looking at that, that's interesting because I never thought of that. Like, you know, a kid goes down and rolls an ankle in a game. Like pumping him up is probably the best thing to do to get him to be able to not just come back today, but to be ready the next. Yeah. So like, how would it like, so maybe a good thing to dive down into would be like, how would I educate someone like that? Or how would I interact with someone that gets an acute injury? hundred percent. Let's go. So let's say we see someone that gets a really nasty, like sprains their ankle, right? Real bad. So we get them out of the game. We know that they're not going to be returning for that game, but you say, look, man, like we know science gives us basic tissue healing principles. We know that your tissues are going to heal. So as long as we respect those guidelines and we use this as an opportunity to work on so many other stuff, other things in your body, that's going to make you even more of a beast. Like you're going to come back and you're going to kill it as long as we respect these timelines. You know what I mean? Cause the acute, cause that's where it really comes down to. We're promoting this thought that tissues heal. Cause that's when people get confused is when they have this persistent pain, like months down the road, they're like, why do I still have pain? Like, aren't my tissues better? And you're like, yeah, they, they really are. So maybe something went astray along the road, but that's why if we can accept that, that positive message of empowerment and resilience from that first injury, that outcome is going to be way better. I love it. I love it. Because again, the positive impacts that you could provide, need to be dictated by a positive stimulus provided. And if you do that, even in a negative time, now you're like double winning. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's, uh, it's all about empowering them and also just being within reason too. You know, like I think when we're transparent and honest with our athletes and our clients, like I'm not going to sit here and that's what people like a critique of pain science is like, Oh, you're fine. Do whatever, you know? And like, that's not the case. So it's like, it's empowering within reason. It's empowering within what's realistic and being truthful, not like saying, Oh, you're like, you know what I mean? Like everything's just great. You're going to be a hundred and million percent better. It's like, just keep it real with them. You know, that's all we're doing is keeping it real and empowering them within reason. Yeah. And it takes a specific type of bedside manner to be able to do that. Dude. I mean, I'm sure you can speak to it, but bedside manner is really, I think, what separates the great coaches and physical therapists and healthcare pros from the not so great ones. Obviously, you need to know your stuff, but if you can't build that good relationship and that good rapport with your bedside manner, you're SOL. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that the big thing, too, is like understanding that even though different people are going to interpret things different ways, there needs to be different people in your staff that address it differently as well because yeah. of that. So, like, I just had a meeting with a student athlete today. Um, no lie. This is the first conversation I've ever had with this young lady. And she just had the unfortunate incident, um, ACL, meniscus, uh, avulsion fracture. Um okay. And we can get into some other stuff with that later, which I'd actually kind of like your feedback on, uh, theory stuff. But um, totally off track of this. But anyway, um, 
like, you know, she's asking about our doctors that we have. And I'm like, well, really, like, both physicians are exceptionally qualified. Right. I would have no problem with either. I'm getting my knee done, and I'm going to this one because he's just going to come in, and he's either going to be like, Jay, everything went great. You're fine. Man up. Go to work. Or he's going to be like, hey, so uh, don't look down yet, but just so you know, we had to take the whole leg. You know, it's like he's just like matter of factual. It's like almost robotic. Whereas the other guy is like happy, excited, fired up, rah-rah. I'm like, that's just not me. Like I just like there's some people that need that. Right. That's just not me. I'm just like, bro, go. And he's like, but, yes, sir. But dude, that's a great point. And that's like something I talk about all the time is there's such an art to um, reading people and understanding where to enter in with some of these discussions. How are you going to interact with them? You're like, you're not going to interact the same way with every single human that walks in your door, mm-hmm. whether athlete, client, patient. Like there is such an art to reading the personality type and knowing what's going to work and what's not going to work. And that comes from listening and sort of perceiving the situation and experience. No, a hundred percent. And I think too, that, you know, going back in and talking about this younger generation, being able to communicate the what's why's and how's, and then getting their feedback and input is so big when it comes to all of that, because they're so, used to being able to hit a button and get a response that if you don't allow them to do that, you're pushing them away. Yeah. And that's wild to me. Like from growing up and being like, all right, well, coach just said, so you, you know, coach said X, so you do X. Like you don't do Y. It's just like, yeah. And I think that all ties together when it comes to looking at all these things. Yeah, it's uh, it's harder than ever. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of there's just especially with social media coming out and all that stuff. There's like there's almost too much information out there that it's also hard to be a coach and a therapist when people come in and say, well, I do it this way or well, I've been told to do it that way. Or, you know, that's another com- that's another confounding factor in this, too, is like when you're trying to get over like getting buy in if you do something a bit differently than someone else, because there's so much information out there as well. It's another, it's another complicating variable. No. Yeah. But it's also like the best time too, because, because of that we can talk or because of that, these athletes can actually figure things out, which is why I think maybe figure things out is a little bit extreme. Well, no, no, no. I hear you. There's, it's very much empowering, but there's also some not so great content out there Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, disappoints me and that but a lot of people like and and watch so it's like there's a lot of good voices out there so my biggest goal too is just being passionate about advocating for the good voices out there you know no doubt so then this is a question i have for you so when we look at all these things and we're looking at identifying issues and problems yep when we identify trends or issues or problems Because for the most part, uh, sport coaches are a little bit reactionary, you know, where it's like, if you do X, there's a chance Y may happen. You may never do X ever again. Right. So like, for example, 
we've had um, a theory, and I think a lot of people have this theory when it comes to knee injuries with female athletes, that a lot of the timing is going to be revolved around their cycle and things that occur with that. So we've started asking those questions. And now we're starting to see that a lot of these are showing up in specific areas. Now, the last thing we want to say to a kid or a coach is, hey, five to, you know, five days out is like three to five days out is like the most common time we're seeing these problems. Interesting. Right. Well, that would be the last thing that we would want to say because now all of a sudden it would be like practice is in chairs and we're never going to play a game that like, we will forfeit games before we do this. But instead of getting this way, how do we communicate this type of stuff? Sort of the, the same idea with not being the inception. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying like, if you, let's say, have some good information that might be consistent with potentially an increased chance of injury when they're playing. Right. How can you how can you voice that in a way that isn't negative? Correct. Well, and to the athlete you're saying especially, right? Oh, I would probably want to go to the coach and the sports med professional first. Well, well right, right. Because well, but they're eventually going to have to say it to the athlete in some shape or form to not if you're saying to like either limit or be careful of when they're practicing. Yeah, but you would also see most for the most part like most of the women are pretty close timelines on okay. the team. Shit. Well, that that one's a very particularly hard question to answer, just because it's a bit more uh, it's a bit more personal than it is like uh, yeah, dude. Like fearful, because it does breed some sort of like fear because they're like, oh shit, I shouldn't practice during this time frame or I shouldn't play during this time frame because it leaves me more susceptible to injury. And then we get down this whole rabbit hole of oh shit. Well, now do I ever play during this time frame? Right. Like, how does it go? So. That's a real. I'm. I'm not sure. I have a great answer for you on that one, but I guess basically I would just try and frame it as a conviction in the uncertainty, if you will. So not saying like it's a hard and fast like, no, like we know this, we can't do this, but saying like, look, like maybe we're a little bit more um, cautious about some of the drills we're doing, and uh, being a little bit more attentive to these sorts of things during this time. Yeah. And just make sure that we're not deeming it this one-to-one relationship. I think that if you're framing it in a way that's like, look, we, we think that this might be contributing, but, you know, let's just be mindful of it. We no, can't no be doubt. Sure, but uh, that's that's a good question for you. Yeah. And a good thing. I don't always, as humans, we don't always have the best answers, and that's okay. No doubt, man. Petrifying stuff, though. Yeah, man. It's uh, my, we, we work with a lot of ACL stuff, and, uh, my girlfriend's super into ACL prevention, especially in teenage athletes. So she might be a great person for you to talk with about like an ACL specific sort of podcast too. Definitely. We're on that then. But no, listen, hundred percent. So listen, let's jump back to content. Cause you do a little bit of it and uh, you know, you, you put out a little bit of stuff every oh, now man. and then. Um, but I do, I think that when you said that, like there's a lot of people that put a lot of stuff out, they can be scary. And I think yeah. that that's actually like a really, really, really good way to say it because there's so much that it's hard right. to filter. So let's talk about your 
role in education, both yeah. formally and with Instagram, and where you see that sort of encompassing everything. Because I think that your uniqueness in this is what makes what you're doing special. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, I think it comes back to from day one, like I always told myself, like, I wanted to be authentic and uh, I wanted to be unique and I wanted to empower people and I want to be an advocate for people. I think we run into the issue when there's a lot of accounts that are kind of snake oily, if you know what I mean, like snake oil salesmen, clickbait, like things that things that make people things that make people think they need to be fixed. That's an issue. There's a lot of accounts that make people feel like they need to be fixed. So then when they come see me, they're like, can you fix me? And I'm like, yo, yo, you are a robust human. Like I will help facilitate this and we will do the things we need to do to get you better. But like, you are not like that language needs to change first and foremost. So my role is really like, I'm kind of like out here keeping it real. And I'm out here advocating for people to take control of what they're doing. We're here to help along the way, right? I try to get to funnel people to strength and conditioning as the best way to mitigate long-term injury risk. But, you know, when it comes to what I'm educating and what my role is, you know, I have a lot of students that follow my account and I just more than anything want to be a good role model for them and get them down the right road of thinking, which is not knowing all the answers, which is being comfortable, being uncomfortable, challenging the way you think, because the stuff that I learned in school is totally challenged now. Mm -hmm. And it was a really hard pill for me to swallow, but that's what you got to do. And that's all I'm trying to do is advocate for the students out there to, and even healthcare pros and strength coaches to swallow their pride pills, swallow their egos. And like, let's look at the information and be comfortable with challenging the way we've always done stuff and put our best foot forward in terms of giving our best to the athletes and the clients that we service. Yeah, man. And I think that it is something that is really wild. Like, so many people like to pigeonhole coaches or practitioners as, like, you're either, like, the bookwormy, nerdy guy or you're the the in-the-trenches, grinding-it-out guy. And I don't think there's enough people that are... Both of those in their own field, but willing to step outside of their field and be like, oh, well, like with you and, and Matt, like like working together and talking about these things and, and not, not being like freaking Congress and being only on one side of the aisle. Like you're sitting here and it's like, we need to work together to figure these things out better. And that's why I'm really stoked about everything you guys are doing. Yeah, man, it's uh, that's that's a great message, which is basically like we don't have all the answers and uh, we need to be comfortable with that and understand that when we collaborate, that's when we have the best outcomes for our athletes and clients is through that teamwork. Because, man, if you're telling me I couldn't come down and learn like a million things from you, that would be nuts and vice versa. You know, like there's so much to be learned from each other's professions, like and and intraprofessionally. You know, like even from strength coach to strength coach, from PT to PT, like there's always so much to be learned. And uh, that's also, I mean, that's something I try to advocate for on a daily basis. Yeah. So let's give people the addresses and everything where they can find you and and get in touch with you and and see more of this stuff because 
There is. There's too much not to be not to be seen, not to be had. Yeah, man. So you can find me um, my my Instagram platforms where I do most of my educating, and that is Simple Strength Physio. So at Simple Strength Physio, and the name of my clinic is Boston PT and Wellness, and that's in Boston, Mass. Yes, man. And for real, folks, get on that IG because he's killing it. Dr. Zach is putting out awesome stuff on the regular, and it, it's something that you need to be following because he's helping us all become better, and that's what's really most important. So super kudos to you, man, for all you're doing and all you're, you're helping us become because it's uh, it's driving both ends of the spectrum to new heights, and I can't thank you enough for it. Yeah, dude, I really appreciate it, and I will just lastly say, because I always do this whenever I go on my IG lives or whatever, since I do have a lot of students that follow me, and if they're actually listening, it's a great opportunity for, for me to throw in some plugs. I always try to end things with advice for students. So to the PT students out there listening or the healthcare students out there listening, when it comes to continuing education as a new graduate, I cannot say enough good things about trying to find local strength coaches that have good stuff or go on the Jay's website, Central Virginia Sports Performance, and they have so much good stuff versus just diving right into these big system paradigms. Learn how to get people strong. Learn from some of those people in those fields, and it will benefit you so much in the long run. So I wouldn't say that if I wasn't, you know, true and authentic about that. It's, it's definitely not a shameless I – mean, it is a shameless plug, but I mean it sincerely. So um, go out there and check it out because it's good stuff. Appreciate that, man. I really do. And uh, I can't thank you enough for spending the time to say this is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. We're getting the youth better, man. I'll talk to you, all right? Sounds good, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good one, man. You too. And a huge thanks to Dr. Zach Gabor for sitting down and and sharing with us today. Guys, just open, honest, candid stuff. I mean, even to the point where where, where he's complimenting questions and, and even leading to better dialogue because of it. Dr. Zach is such a rock star. He is such a great person to have in this field to help push all of us forward. I cannot thank him enough for spending the time with us today, nor can I thank him enough for such open, honest, candid sharing on the regular uh, on his Instagram. Make sure you guys are subscribing to him. If you aren't already, make sure you're going out there and subscribing. And that handle is Simple Strength Physio. That's at Simple Strength Physio. Guys, again, if you haven't, Subscribe, follow right away. Zach is putting out some of the best stuff out there. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, we're just trying to get the best information out to the best coaches we possibly can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.